right, the Q&A episode is happening. Let's do this. Um, sorry about the delay. There's some things tied in with air views that I wanted to announce on this episode, so I decided to hold off for a little bit. Um, but here we are. We're still on track with schedule releases and whatnot, just a bit after the post. So first and foremost, big shout-out to Emacs and uh, the FPV Geek for sponsoring this Q&A since they're both sponsoring the giveaway. Shout-out to Emacs for supplying the Emacs Interceptor RC FPV car. Um, and I'll announce the winners for that at the end of this. So one of you is walking away with an Emacs Interceptor RC FPV car. That's a mouthful. And then the other two winners are walking away with FPV Geek uh, goggle switches for your fat sharks. So I'll announce that at the end. And uh, like I said, big shout out to Emacs. You can find them at emacs-usa.com and use code FLYLIFE at checkout for 10% off. And then shout out to the FPV Geek to... Uh, for supplying those goggle switches i've been using one personally for about two months now and i've been loving it so make sure to check out the fpv geek on instagram and go check out his store it's some pretty dope stuff but without further ado let's dive into this q a um way more questions than i thought and really some good questions um dangus fpv i knew i had this coming because you've been hitting me up for weeks but uh you wrote some novels and i'll do my best at them and yeah let's just dive into these i mean uh Got myself a beer and a glass of whiskey. Cheers to everybody. Happy quarantine. Hope everyone's staying safe out there. And let's dive into it. Average JoJo wants to know, what got you into FPV? Did you operate surveying drones beforehand or did you start uh, FPV first? So what got me into FPV was that I was kind of like, I'd quit racing mountain bikes because I had a bunch of concussions and I was kind of hobbyless had just gone through a super bad breakup and I was walking through Best Buy and there was like a $60 drone that paired to your iPhone. And this was like early 2015. So drones to see a drone at a store was still pretty novel. And I picked up that drone and on the first maiden, it just like punched out into the sky and disappeared. I had to go look for it and it broke on its first flight. And I, uh, YouTube how to fix it. And I came across a Sharpoo video and that's how I first got introduced into FPV and really, once I saw the first uh, Sharpoo video at the uh, the Bandon Hospital with the one famous song, the Revolution song, um, I was pretty hooked. As for surveying drones, so those kind of go hand in hand. Um, that story I just said happened early 2015, and then by summer of 2015, end of summer, um, I just built up like two quads, <clears throat> and I was flying all the time, and there just so happened to be a UAV shop that I was looking for an intern like two miles from my house. It was super serendipitous, and um, I just went for the internship. So I actually never flew a survey drone until like probably a year ago. Um, I just flew FPV the whole time, and then one day someone was like, hey, we need this, like, really expensive drone to fly in between these trees and close to stuff. I know you fly a lot of FPV drones and you're comfortable with that. Would you be willing to do this? Um, and that, with my UAV um, technician background, I think helped me because then I could fix stuff in the field if it was broken, um, and I could fly it really well, kind of low stress. Like, flying survey drones is, like I've said it before, it's like lawn in the sky. It's super easy. The financial amount is what's stressful. Um, uh, yeah, I think that answers that. Thank you, Average Jojo. Lycan, Lycan, FPV. What is a good editing program to use? I'm a total noob at editing. Um, I swear by Adobe Premiere, but I realize it's kind of a chunk of change to front 
Um, if you're just getting in edit- editing, I started making most of my edits on the GoPro editor. I'm sure it's a lot better now, and I've also met a lot of people that used iMovie. I think for that like first few months of editing, it's not worth getting a really nice program. Um, sometimes when you get a program like Premiere and you're just learning, it's so diverse and dynamic that it's almost intimidating and you're kind of only scratching the surface. I think it's way better to learn how to edit on like iMovie or something like that, and then once you max that out, and then be like, okay, I need it. I need more tools. I can make this better. If I had insert blank, that's when you should move to something. Um, so yeah, iMovie, um, GoPro editor if you're just starting out, and then I'd move into Premiere. That's my personal um, recommendation, or DaVinci Resolve. That's a free one, um, and I've heard a lot of good things about it. Nick Lang Media. Shout out to Nick Lang. He's one of the good ones, you know? Uh, do you think the entire Cinemop world will be moving towards Dyson uh, slash naked GoPro builds? I know I've, I've had my eye on them for real estate shoots. So I think for real estate shoots, I guess it depends on the venue, right? If you're doing like apartment buildings and stuff that's super small, like I think I, we can all get it if I reference the Cherry Blossom video that we first saw with a micro drone. I think if it's that style, it's totally headed in that direction, Um, especially with, like, the FAA regulations and whatnot changing. If you're going to be sub-250, then you're just going to be operating in this, like, land of freedom where you're like, ha-ha, no one can touch me. Um, So I think, yeah, definitely that part of it is going to be pushed out, but I don't think that it's going to replace, like, I don't know, like a lot of finky stuff flying around people, um, like Johnny around the soccer player, um, Gab with the mountain biker, like kind of that where you need the speed, but you want the ducks in case you hit someone. I don't think the naked GoPro, like, micro size is ever going to replace that. But for, like, tight places and, uh, like, more dynamic indoor shots, 100%. I've had my eye on those, too. And I actually have one built up, but I just can't figure out how to fucking fire up the GoPro off of FC power. But we can cover that another time. So, yeah, shout-out to Nick Lang. Mammoth FPV. I've been in FPV for a little over a year now, but I haven't built a quad yet. I've had multiple iFly bind and flies. Could you make a list of components that you swear by? Maybe explain which ESCs run best with flight controllers, with which flight controllers, or is compatibility a non-issue at this point? I'm going to answer this backwards. I really think that compatibility, for the most part, is a non-issue. I like to use things that were engineered in the same ecosystem. I just think it's, like, easier and, I don't know, just kind of like a pet peeve. But I think you can run, like, most ESC with most flight controller these days. Everything that's on BL Heli 32 is pretty bomb. Um, so you shouldn't have an issue with that. In terms of parts to swear by, um, if you're going to go beta flight, I swear by the um, Brain Radix. FC, and then any Hobbywing um, ESC, either the 45 amp or the 60 amp, depending on what I'm doing with it. Those are like my um, go-to film rig parts. I also love KISS stuff. Um, I still run the ESCs on the arms, OG status. I also swear by those parts. I just use those for freestyle, not really filming, because um, like integration of GPS and um, the Radix OSD and stuff like that, I think is a bit better if you're using it as a tool. Um, in terms of motors, got to go with Emacs. I run Emacs on pretty much uh, everything, and they sponsor the show. Um, but I ran them for a super, super long time before they ever reached out to me. So Emacs parts, um, radio and control link, you got to go uh, TBS. I don't trust anything but Crossfire and Unifies for that stuff. Um, and then same with antennas. TBS antennas are my favorite. 
And then cameras, I still love run cams. Um, I still run the old run cam too, just because it fits all my frames. I have a bunch of them. It's easy to stock, but I've been around a lot of friends um, with different, like the new micros from Foxier to run cam and all this stuff. And really, they all look good. It's kind of just like a different flavor. Some have a different look to them. You know, it's like Canon versus Sony. They both look great if the right person has them. Um, but yeah. TBS for control and stuff like that, um, KISS, Hobby Wing, and Brain FPV for the brains and electronics of it, um, and then cameras, I'd say you could skimp on a little bit, or at least you can pick whatever and uh, have a good choice. Let's see, does that answer the question? Also, if you've been flying for a year and haven't built a quad, you should totally build a quad. Um, even if like you keep buying bind and flies that's totally chill um you should just build a quad one time you'll learn so much about your machine by building it um I, like you just put so much more thought into where you're laying wires down why it is the way it is and i totally get it you get to a point where, like i've gotten to a point where i don't really want to build quads anymore i definitely don't want to fix them like i like building super super fresh quads um but i like i got the bind and fly i flight um Cinewhoop. And it was a killer deal. So I hope that answers that. All right, let's keep it moving here. Primary One Auto. Shout out to Javier. He owns an awesome auto shop in the Orlando area. And uh, quick little side note, I was in Florida like two years ago with Brandy on a family vacation. He hit me up like two hours away and was like, hey, if you want to fly, um, let's meet up. Insto facto, he turned out to be one of the coolest people I've ever met, so make sure to check him out on social media, Primary One Auto. But he says, who are some of the pilots that you like to watch, even though you are my fave pilot? Appreciate it, Javier. Thank you. Um, who I like to watch really just changes almost based on the edit. Um, as of late, like George, all of George FPV's freestyle is so locked, so money. Um, J True's killing it. The obvious heavy hitters. I can't wait to see um, some of the Red Bull footage that Gab's been doing um, that he's been teasing about. I know his snowboard footage is going to probably be prime. He teased some stuff. And he just did that mountain bike edit that I haven't seen yet. Um, Air Blaster. Johnny's kind of dying off for me. Like, his footage is like, I don't know, like, we're just losing the part of Johnny that I think we all fell in love with. Like, it's so epic, no doubt. Totally deserves all the accolades. But in terms of, like, why I like it, Maybe not why I fell in love with it. Um, but besides that, it's always changing. John C., you still need to keep flying freestyle. That shit was sick. Um, yeah, I think those are the, mostly just like cinematic people, um, the edits. Lately, I've just been getting blown away by people who maybe had a background in some sort of videography and then picked up FPV. Um, I recently met a guy named Mike something haggard horn something mike h and uh he worked for movi and he just worked or he just built up his first freestyle freestyle rig and i'm super pumped to see like what someone like that busts out in like six months to a year having that background so yeah pretty much uh just all the cinematic people out there or like the super crisp freestyle uh, moving on, Bully FPV wants to know, do you still fly KISS, and how do you begin when you tune your quad uh, with KISS? So, yeah, I still fly KISS. I just fly KISS on my freestyle rigs, um, beta flight on my film rigs. And how do I go about tuning it? Um, man, that's like that's such a subjective thing. I guess it depends on what I'm feeling off the bat. Usually I'll start with idle and P, 
I don't like touch. <clears throat> I don't touch eye too much. I usually fix all eye issues I have with um, Idle, but maybe I'll raise eye just a hair. And then DE, I run all dynamic filtering and stuff like that. So I guess really it's just going to be a whole lot of P work. You just got to dive into that P. Stefan Piot, shout out to last week's guest. Uh, when did you commit to the mustache? Bro, you're sleeping on it. This has been almost two years. I committed, uh, what, like July or August of 2018, right after my California road trip. Shout out to Stefan. Stephen, Stephen Poet, just kidding. Uh, Babs FPV, aka Brandy. If you could cure one of your food allergies, which would it be? Avocados or bananas? Um, hands down, avocados. For those that don't know, I have like a gastrointestinal reaction to avocados because of the latex, and this is like a pretty recent thing that only happened two years ago. I fucking love avocados. I used to put them on, like, English muffins, everything. Love Mexican food. <clears throat> now I can't eat them because they make me throw up, and it sucks. And bananas, too. Like, not as bad, but it just makes my stomach feel all weird. Um, I'm going to guess because of potassium or something. So definitely avocados. Uh, guac is, like, I have a feeling if I get drunk around guac, I'm just going to say screw it and go for it. So definitely avocados. Shout out to Brandy. Oh, God, here we go. Okay, Dangus FPV, a.k.a. Mitchell Friedman, who won the soldering iron, wrote us a novel, which I knew he would, but let's dive into his 12-plus questions. I don't know. What do you look for when you're tuning? What kind of behaviors do you seek to get rid of, and what kind of behaviors show you that you're getting closer to the ideal tune? Um, what do I look for? Um, I guess, first and foremost, I don't really like look visually for anything. It's all feel. Um, I just go for how the quad feels, like how intuitive it feels, um, just how locked. Then I will go, like it depends. If I'm tuning a film rig, I don't care as much because we have real steady and I just need the tune to be a lot like of a wider gap, better at different elevations. So it doesn't need to be perfect anywhere. It just needs to be like a B plus, A minus in high wind, low wind, sea level, mountains. Like it's just got to be a bigger tuning window. But for freestyle, um, yeah, it's just got to be locked first and foremost in terms of feel. Um, and then I like slightly over-tuned quads um, without sacrificing video. So like I think if you tune a quad to to the feel limit the hd footage won't look that good and if you tune a quad just for the hd footage it won't feel that good and there's this like sweet middle ground um where i tune for feel first and then if something looks off in the hd footage maybe i'll dial something back but to me the characteristic of like a perfect flying quad that's never going to see stabilized footage is when it doesn't have prop wash but it clicks into place so so there being like little chatters there's just this one little notch and it just like clicks into place because that to me is where it's trying a little bit too hard so you still get that little bit of correction um, but it's not so much that you're getting multiple oscillations it's just one little um, so that's what I look for part one of six or two of 16 what's your tuning workflow from first to last when it comes to P I and D and filtering and when you start a tune what is your baseline for filters that you use and how do you use uh, what filter frequency and type uh, of filter to use and adjust when you see certain traits in your quads handling um, 
that part, I mean, that's like, I, I understand the question, but it really depends. My baseline tune going into a tune, um, is usually like the last dope tune I've had. Um, so like when I flew flight one for like two and a half years, I basically just had variations of the same tune I ever figured out. Like when I got a new quad, I would throw on this one that I figured out a year ago and then tweak from there. So that's kind of like the baseline I go for. It's just my previous best tune ever, unless it's like I'm going from like four to six S or like the KVs jumping up or something like that. Um, I always tune in terms of PIDs. I always tune for P first. Um, I try to get away with the least amount of D possible, least amount of I and the most amount of P that seems to be where my middle ground is. Um, and then in terms of filtering, you know, like I run dynamic and or auto filtering, whatever it's called on every platform, beta flight, flight one kiss that I've ever run. And on like beta flight, I'll run the RC or I mean on flight one, I used to run like, um, what is it? RC for two or whatever filter cut at 120. Um, and that was just like my go-to. I had that paired with a dynamic filter and in KISS, I have the dynamic filter, and in Betaflight, I just leave the filters stock and do it all with PIDs because it's got that, like I said, it's going to be a bigger tuning window with Real Steady. So it really just depends. Maybe I'll make, like, a tuning video, but it's, like, like my biggest tuning advice is, like, even if you think your quad flies great, just go out in a field and change pitch P by 2 in any direction and just, like, see how it feels. Then change it back, try it with something else. And just, like, change everything and understand how it changes everything because, like, there's a reason that every, like, famous pilot, or like, has their tuning video where they're like, this is how I tune. Stingy's got it. Schizo's got it. Bardwell's got it. And people still don't know how to tune. And it's because, like, you can't teach that in a video or, like, in a theory. You can understand it, but you just got to go out and tune your own rig and try everything and take the time to do it. Like, it seems like a lot of work, but it's really not. Just bring your laptop, fly one minute, change something, fly another minute. You'll get three changes per pack. You go fly a 10-pack session, you just learn 30 different variables that changed. So do that. Um, how do you know what axis needs to be tuned when you're flying around? Is there a certain maneuvers you do to figure out what axis needs or what... Or do you just fly how you usually fly and look for traits that tell you what axis is off? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Just fly the way you usually fly. Um, I have like a couple moves I do where like I really try to induce prop wash, just like a really hard low split S um, or like coming into prop wash at different angles while doing yaw maneuvers. Those really induce prop wash. And sometimes I'll shoot for those. But I used to just like fly the hardest I could when I was tuning to try to figure out all the issues. Um, and then issue is I don't fly like that the rest of the time so it's dumb to tune for that like it's better to just go fly a normal pack how you normally fly and tune for that because that's how you're going to spend 90% of your time flying um, so tune for that and I guarantee you that everybody's tune that you've ever seen has some issues that everybody just flies around or it's an issue that really doesn't come up in their style so don't overthink it, um, and time on the sticks will never replace tuning, um, my two cents. Oh, and in terms of what axis needs to be tuned, that's just a feel thing. You either need to look at the footage and be like, you know, like on a really easy scale, I got bounce back on roll, I got bounce back on pitch, um, that's easy to tell. I feel like yaw prop wash is brutal to tell. Um, basically, I always find that one through process of elimination, 
Um, oh, and the other two cents in terms of like looking for stuff. If you, like everybody says, <clears throat> you know, like you have prop wash or whatever, but to me, there's different types of prop wash and chatters. Like if you have really high oscillation prop wash or bounce back, like it's like a really sharp kind of, I don't know how to describe it, like a meth head tweaky kind of feel. Um, then you're overtuned on like P or I or something. Um, if you have a really chunky kind of, yeah, let's think about this as kickball. Uh, if you have like smooth oscillation, it's overtuned. If it's like chunky, um, slow, low frequency oscillation, you're over D or, uh, undertuned. That always kind of helped me and I kind of figured that out, but, um, maybe that's something you didn't know before. Let's keep it moving. What kind of computer do you use for editing? Do you use an external SSD or high RPM drives and external graphics and RAM cards? Um, so I use a fully loaded 2016 iMac Pro. Nothing crazy by today's standards. And um, I use uh, external SSDs, but no external graphics or high RPM drives. For the most part, we're just dealing with GoPro footage over here. And um, I'm not too crazy on the effects and stuff like that. Um, and, like, if I'm speed ramping and stuff like that, I'll just flip to proxies. If it's 4K or maybe 2.7K with a lot of effects. But for the most part, if I'm doing, like, 1080p stuff, I have no issue scrubbing timelines with a lot of effects on it. It's once I dive into that 4K um, and, like, real steady and stuff that I have issues. But proxies fix all that. Excuse me. Yes. Keep the dangus train going here. How did you come up with your LUTs for color grading your videos? And if you were to start from scratch, what would be the workflow for adjusting each parameter, exposure, contrast, highlights, shadows, saturation, tint, temperature, color wheels, and curves? One thing that's hard for me is to know when to stop adjusting things because I feel like maybe I've gone too far and the image looks over-adjusted. Um... In terms of how I go about that stuff, I really don't have like a usual workflow. Um, I will say that I try to use um, like less color grading, like the least amount as possible. I feel like GoPro footage just doesn't have the bit depth for you to just crank on it with all these like exposure, saturation, messing with the color wheels. It just like blows out and the quality goes down. So really like less is more um, and it's GoPro footage so you can't overdo it and it's never going to look how you might imagine it in your head but I would say I probably go with like lighting first um, and then color second I don't really mess uh, with like sharpness or anything like that because it's a GoPro um, in that order and in terms of creating LUTs um, like you know the, the technical aspects of how to save your LUTs and set everything up you can find that in a YouTube edit but really the only thing I do when I make my LUTs or I color grade is I just take five seconds I close my eyes and I imagine how it was when I was there when I was flying it like what color the sky was was it blown out was it super bright and I just try to match my color grade to how I feel it looked um and really, like, I don't do a lot. Um, I, I'm not going to share the secret of how I made my LUTs because it's close to home, but it's not complicated. You just got to mess with it. And the knowledge of how to make LUTs is out there. Um, and then it depends, too. Like, if you're going for a proper, like, traditional color grade, like, yeah, that's very easy to judge. But, you know, if you're going for something creative and you just want to, like, you want it extra warm because um, it's, like, sunsetty and you were having a good day or extra cold because it was cold that day um yeah like just try to 
attach however the vibe was that day to your color grade like if it was a bright sunny blue day in summer don't try to make it look all cold and dreary um and stuff like that you know you kind of got to match the vibe so really the knowledge to color grade and all that stuff is out there and i don't i don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it it's just like you know whatever you can do to make it from uh emotion to video uh so you got to understand the knowledge and then dive into it Do you know, uh, man, this question is long. Uh, oh, in terms of going too far, like, it's like anything, like over-salting food, stopping a painting. You just got to do it more and you'll get in tune with it. Um, and really, like, less is more. Do I ever look at other examples of cinematic footage to get an idea of what my footage would should look like? 100% all the time. Uh, just not FPV footage. I look at like cinematic content all the time from like YouTubers to Nolan Ryan movies to anything. Um, I'm always looking at the cinematic qualities and trying to see how I can incorporate that. But I try not to look at other FPV pilots because to me it's like, I don't know, it's just, you know, like their own thing. This is my interpretation of it. Um, there was definitely a time in my life where, like, I looked up to a lot of FPV pilots and I just tried to copy stuff, you know, like the great, great artist copy um, or good artist copy, great artist steal kind of thing. You just kind of got to fake it till you make it or not make it, but till you figure out your own style. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I like this and I like that. Um, but while you're learning, like I wouldn't overthink it, just try everything, try everybody's setup, try to replicate stuff. Um, and at the very least you'll learn how hard it is. Keeping the dangest train going. What is your favorite camera? Um, do you ever go into the menu of your camera to change settings or do you just adjust contrast? Uh, favorite camera is Runcam Swift 2. Been rocking it for like three years. And, uh, no, I never go into the camera to change the settings. I just do it on my goggles. Have you noticed a great quality difference between Freewell ND filters and your new Polar Pros? Worth the money? How much? Okay, let's answer that one first. Um, yeah, definitely. I, it's just a little bit clearer, like, the image. Like, if you line them up side by side, it's not, like, drastic, but the Polar Pros are just a little uh, crisper. And I will say they... They hold up a bit better. Um, like, I haven't crashed them or scratched them, but, like, just, like, cleaning them, and when I get dust on them, maybe a little spray of snow or something, the free wells, like, get greased up a little faster, um, whereas the Polar Pros are just, like, I don't know, better. And uh, you don't lose them. They fit on, like, so well. They just clip right on there. Super well-engineered product. I wouldn't say it's worth the money if you're just flying for fun, but if someone's ever going to pay you for FPV footage, get the Polar Pros. Um, how much wind is too much wind when you're deciding if you want to go fly or not? <sighs> I mean, if I'm being picky for freestyle, like above seven miles an hour is too much wind. Um, if I'm on a film shoot and I just need to get stuff done, I'll probably go to like 30 or 40 just to make it happen. Um, but ideally like no wind is the best wind all the time. Uh, but that never happens on like film shoot locations cause you're in the mountains or like the desert or whatever. Um, there's literally always win. Um, so that's why when I come home and I fly freestyle sessions, I'm extremely picky. Like if it's above seven miles an hour, I usually don't even go out unless I'm like itching to fly. Have you ever been on a film shoot where the wind was seriously messing up how you wanted to frame a shot? 
Uh, not really. Like maybe how close I could get, or really just like my mental state, like how content I felt. It just like raised the bar, the adrenaline, but it hasn't been anything too bad. I think in terms of flying in wind, we probably have like the best machines possible for flying in high wind. Dangus, I fly with BL Heli ESCs. Do you think for someone getting into the hobby that would be beneficial to upgrade BL Heli 32? Or is the difference only appreciated when you are a more seasoned operator? Probably only appreciated, like, for the first six months. You're probably never going to be able to tell. I mean, I don't know, unless you're, like, hitting the sim or you're pulling a George FPV kind of progression scale. But I think for the most people, not going to be able to tell. Uh, what are your BL Heli settings? Do they change from quad to quad or are they always the same? Always the same. Um, I run uh, 48 kilohertz sample rate um, in BL Heli 32, and then um, I run 22 degrees of mag timing or whatever it's called. Those settings were not my own. They came courtesy of Rider FPV, and I kind of just stuck with them. Uh, not a huge difference, but just like, you know, all tuning things is like you're not going to change one thing on your quad and unless it's like... I don't know, props or like motors. It's not going to make a huge difference, but you add all these little things together um, and it makes a huge difference. <laughs> all right, last few by Dangus. I've already destroyed two GoPros and I've been flying for maybe three months. How many GoPros have you gone through if you were to estimate and what's the most common way you've killed them? Uh, so I've probably gone through like... 8 to 11 somewhere in there over the last 4 or 5 years and really once the 6 came out I haven't killed that many of them I think maybe 1 or 2 because um, on the 4s I would just murder the, the lenses and the back screen and like the whole thing the 5s um, on the sessions it would be the front screen um, but then on the 6 like the back screen I started rocking screen protectors and they had the little replaceable lens piece so it wasn't really an issue uh, my problem has been a battery sliding forward on the impact and friggin' ramming the LCD screen. Have you ever been to New Hampshire? Um, yeah, get the screen protector and then just put a piece of foam in there. I'm pretty sure there's like that might be tied to why steel runs that orange piece of floaty foam back there because that can definitely happen. Um, or get a GoPro mount that uh, protects the back of the. Uh, LCD screen like on my freestyle rig I have a GoPro mount that covers the back of the GoPro so that can't happen and on my film rigs it can but really it's just bound to happen um, the one thing I will say is when you get your GoPro make sure to set that up to your phone so that if you shatter your screen and you still have like hours of flying you don't have time to go to Best Buy you can still access all your settings on your GoPro or on your phone to get to your GoPro <laughs> um, have you ever been to New Hampshire I yeah, I think I have been um, on my eighth grade, like Washington D.C. middle school trip. We went to New Hampshire. What's the farthest you've had to hike to rescue a fallen quad? Oh, I don't know, maybe like half a mile. But then I had to pay a rock climber at the end of that half mile to go get it. Uh, but it wasn't too bad. We got it back. It was up there for seven days. But I haven't had to hike too far. But I only fly five inch rigs, so I don't really fly like past a mile ever. Uh, you listen to Rogan's podcast. You listen to Congratulations with Chris D'Elia, the fighter and the kid, this past weekend with Thea Vaughn, or History Hyenas with Chris Stefano and Giannis Papas. Um, I do listen to Rogan heavily. I do listen to the fighter and the kid 
I listened to highlights of Chris D'Elia. I don't listen to this past weekend with Theo Vaughn, but I listened to King and Sting with him and Brendan Schaub. Um, Chris Stefano, same thing. I listened to his highlights, but not whole episodes. Great, ep- great content. Com- like comedian-based podcasts are my favorite because comedians are great people. Are you going to build up a camper bus? Mm, still maybe, but probably trying to get a house first. If you were to get a bike, would you ride a sport bike or build a bobber, or would you buy a bagger um, and question your sexuality? Um, I would definitely either get a sport bike or, like, a uh, modern uh, cafe racer kind of thing, like a V-Twin cafe racer, Um, or, like, a 600cc sport bike. Any of those would be awesome. I like curvy roads more than straight roads, so I'm not into, like, bobbers and cruisers and stuff like that. Um have you had any adverse effects from vaping yet? I just quit vaping slash Juul, and I'm on Zen pouches now, and my lungs never felt better. Um, I've never had a huge issue with, like, Juuls and vaping. When I vaped, like, full mods, I would have issues with my lungs. Like, I'd be pretty phlegmy. But ever since I switched to the Juul maybe, like, a year ago when I just stopped with the mod... Um, I haven't had any issues and even like having to do like 13 mile hikes on like film shoot days and stuff. I have had, uh, no issue, uh, especially like coming from SIGs. I used to notice it a lot. Um, and yeah, jewels are awesome. I love jewels. Uh, Zin pouches. I'm going to assume that's like something like a snooze pouch or something you put in your lip. Um, I've tried like snooze pouches and stuff, but anything like that makes me salivate so much. I might as well be chewing. Um, so I just stick with the jewel, but yeah, no adverse effects. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen though. All right. Moving into not dangus. Hope that answered most of your questions, man. Um, thunder FPV. How do you start running a kiss build? Does your strategy change from tuning micros on kiss um, how do you start running a kiss build? Not really sure how I understand, if I understand the question, I solder everything up and fly it. I don't know. Um, does your strategy change for tuning micros on kiss? I don't fly any micros on kiss. I just fly five inch and really I only have, uh, the Cinewhoop, which isn't even a micro. That's a three inch. And then I have the Emax Tiny Hawk freestyle with a stock tune. So I really just like fly and tune and uh fucks with five inches hand 2708 all i want to ask for is more episodes stay tuned man it's a slow and steady pace it's a one-man show over here but they will come i've been flying tiny whoops for a while oh sorry um igwok net igwok net uh, I have been flying Tiny Whoops for a while. I'm interested in buying a bigger drone. What size do you suggest? What do you think about 3-inch? I think 3-inch is super fun. Like, it flies great, especially when it's not ducted um, and it doesn't have a GoPro on it. It's such a fun thing to fly. But if you're trying to make, like, little GoPro edits and stuff like that or you think you're going to keep flying FPV, just get a 5-inch. Nothing flies like a 5-inch. It's the most fun in the FPV world, I think, um, and it's going to fly the best out of anything for now. Someday, someone will come out with something that will fly better. But Chiller underscore fixation. I've been out of the FPV game for a year and a half. What are the top five things I've missed? Um, What are the top five things you've missed? Real Steady Go, number one. That's huge. Uh, I think BL Heli 32 is within the last year and a half. 
Um, the popularity of 6S probably happened in the last year and a half. Uh, Road to Riot turned into Nickelodeon. That's probably in the last year and a half. Um, and Schizo stopped flying and building BMWs to round it out. I think those are probably probably my top five. Um, if there was a six, it'd be that FPV content is sicker than ever. Moving on, Sean Krantz. Uh, shout out to Sean Krantz, uh, the wing quad master out in Breckenridge for driving and meeting me in a parking lot to read my OBD scanner on my road trip two years ago. Big shout out to Sean Krantz. When are you going to start flying wings, man? Um, I keep saying I want to do it, but uh, if I'm going to be honest, probably never. Uh, I'm just not that into wings. Like I like The thing I like about quads is the way they change direction and bend physics. Maybe into wings for like film stuff if I needed to track something, but um, if I was going to get into wings, I'd want to go like full drag and link, fly miles away, and like the amount of time and money that that would take is just too much. Um, but if you ever want to take me for a long-range flight, uh, flight when I'm in Colorado, Sean, I'm 100% down. Skeletons of FPV. Is there a setup you use for throttle management or a te- technique that you used? Um, thank you in advance, and thanks to Emacs and the FPV Geek for sponsoring this giveaway. Um, a setup I use is, like, I don't usually touch my throttle um, in terms of adding curves or anything. I try to leave it so I feel everything. Um, but the only technique that I maybe use is whenever I make an input, I rev it to give the motors more authority as they're making the input. So I'm going to like do a roll or something. Um, I'll give it a little bit of throttle right as I do the roll, um, just so the quad or the motors have like a bit more torque to get the quad over. But in terms of throttle management, you know, just like any other stick input, just be deliberate, be confident, um, and don't correct and don't overcorrect. T Mortelli, T Mortelli, T Mortelli. Um, how does it feel the best? F- how does it feel to be the best FPV podcast right now? Um, it feels great. It feels surreal. I don't know if that's true, but thank you. Um, and I still relish the FPV show days. I wish they were still around. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I really enjoy it. The real good vibes wants to know how many whoops has Ralph caught? Uh, probably like two or three. He's never like munched one fully, but he's caught him like two to three times probably. Um, yeah, he's quick, and that shit's hard to fly. Uh, for for Cade Gant for Sade Gant. Uh, what editing software do you use? Adobe Premiere. Um, if I wanted to get into FPV, flying with a low budget, what drone would you suggest? Um, probably a used drone you can get, like friends of a friend's. Um, they're trying to upgrade. Like I know Ryder just sold a bunch of them that I hooked up some people with. But like bang for the buck, that's probably um, the best thing. And then you, if you get it from a friend, you have like the lifeline of calling them and being like, hey, what does this wire do? Uh, but besides that, the Emacs, um, shameless plug, ready to fly is our killer. Dorky and 40, I like the screen name. What did you want to do as a kid when you grew up? Always the restaurant stuff or something else? What about now outside of the quad and camera stuff? Stay safe, bro. Stay safe too, man. Um, as a kid... Uh, I think I just always wanted to be a race car driver. Um, the restaurant stuff for me, it's not something I ever like sought out to do. I grew up in it and it was in front of me and it was fun and enjoyable. Um, but definitely not something I sought 
to do uh, with my life. Uh, but yeah, I think I just wanted to be a race car driver um, and then a pro mountain biker, which I got close. I mean, it's a semi-pro, but that shit hurts when you fall. Um, and outside of quad stuff and camera stuff now, uh, I just want to be a race car driver. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I think I just want to fly quads all the time. Like, I really don't want to do anything else. If quads ended, because, like, FA stuff, I'd probably go into, like, camera and video, um, things like that. Maybe go back to school or something. But uh, really, quads and video is uh, all I want to do. Thank you, Dorky and 40. Red underscore HLG. Can you give GoPro camera advice for the weekend warriors? Just want to get pictures I can share and not be a mess. Usually too dark with my Hero 7. Love the show. Um, thanks for listening. I think the GoPro for pictures, I mean, just take it with your smartphone, honestly. Like, I've never used the GoPro for a single picture, I don't think, ever. Um, it just does not stand out to me as, like, a picture camera. And with the way smartphones have been in, like, the last, I don't know, maybe since, like, the iPhone 7 or 8, they, like, the, the pictures look great. So I would just use that. Um, and then if you need GoPro advice for video settings, check out my YouTube video. Fly high FPV. Should I drop 750 on DJI FPV goggles plus two air units, or should I wait for something better? Mm, I mean, if you're itching for it, I say get it. I've kind of been debating it, minus this coronavirus losing all my uh, gig stuff. I probably would have gotten it at some point, too. But, uh... I say get it. I don't know if there will be something better. There might be something smaller, maybe a little better, but I don't think there's going to be anything anything like that much better. Like Think about how long it took to get here. I think it will be a while before there's another that much better leap. Sleepy Rally Cat, a.k.a. Alex Zamora, also one of the good ones. If there wasn't FPV or cars, what other thing would you be wrapped up in? Um... Mountain biking, like, following World Cups, I think. Um, even if I wasn't racing, just, like, taking video and photography of it. Um, and then probably, if this didn't exist, I'd probably still be in food. Like, this is what pulled me out of the restaurant industry. So I'd probably still be wrapped up in cooking, which is not a bad gig. It's just a fucking hard life. Uh, same thing from Sleepy Rally Cat. Uh, or, I mean, not same thing. Same person. What's the worst crash you've ever done, um, and how much of the quad was broken? Uh, the one in the rock climber had to get was pretty bad. It wasn't like two, like one arm was broken, the GoPro was broken, and I think a motor or two, not too bad. Um, lost one in the ocean at the beginning of the year, that's pretty bad. Lost one in the mountains two years ago, that's pretty bad. Although it might not be that broken, it's just gone forever. Um, and then I had one like freak accident like three years ago flying in a park where my shit desynced and the quad just like fell sideways like onto a concrete rail just like a freak accident and it cracked like half the frame and then like burnt the ESC and just like one of those things where if I tried to do it again I couldn't um, so that'd probably be like the most stuff I broke in a crash beards eye view are you ever going back to the restaurant biz you know, I'm not above it. Like, if there was ever a tough time and I needed to go work at a restaurant, like cooking, you can always cook. And I think it's a very unique skill to be able to do it well, especially on, like, a line. And, like, before I moved to Kansas, I spent three weeks working, or, I mean, three weeks, three months working at Lucky's Grocery Store um, in the culinary department uh, just to save up some extra cash. And, like, I'm not above it, but if I could avoid it, I would never go back to the restaurant industry. It's such a hard life, like... 
From when I was 14 to 27, I didn't spend a single New Year's not working. And then when I was 28, to like having New Year's off was just like, oh my God, this is what life is like. <clears throat> so yeah, probably not. Uh, Mr. Rab, I have two questions. With three-inch ducted quads, Cinewhoop, is it just my quad, but I noticed that I would take off in a direction during flight, especially if wind hits it. Second, never edited flight videos. Where's a good starting point? Uh, yeah. A Cinewhoop's like a sail in the sky. Like, any any amount of moving air will mess with it. Um, even its own prop wash, I feel like, messes with it. Like, when it gets into its own dirty air, it does weird stuff. So you're not alone there. And if you've never edited flight videos, I would just drop that shit in a GoPro editor and start messing around with, like, cutting clips and just drop it into any sort of video editor and see what happens. And then start watching YouTube videos on how to edit video. Um, but, yeah, you just got to start, man, you know? It's going to suck for a while, like everything. <laughs> uh, Taylor FPV, man, what is going on? Ever feel like you plateaued before? If so, how do you get past it? Or was it just more stick time? Dude, I plateau on like a two-month cycle. Um, I get like bored of FPV. But for me, I just got to mix it up. Like the style of content or like the style of flying. Like I'll go fly my 4S freestyle rig for a long time and just do that. Um, and then I'll go do like long-range laps um, and just mix it up. And then sometimes like just take a week off. Like sometimes I just won't fly for a week and I'll just play Xbox in my free time. And then by the end of that week, I want to go fly again. Um, so yeah, definitely plateaued before, but every time I have a plateau at the end of that, something epic happens. So you just kind of got to stick it out. Uh, hope you're doing well down in Dallas with the move, man. Shout out to Taylor FPV. And then average Jojo again, would you ever consider a co-host? Um, you do amazing solo, but would you ever pair up with someone on a regular basis? Uh, 100%. I don't think it's a secret that if I was ever going to have a co-host, it would be Mr. Greg Ryder, a.k.a. Ryder FPV. But he's got a super hectic and crazy work life, and he's just super busy, and I wouldn't want to put that upon him. So that's why he's welcome on the show whenever he's free, and he's on here all the time. And then since that like is a thing and I don't have a co-host, most people have probably noticed that like once I have an FP or a guest on and we vibe really well and the episode went well and we both enjoyed it, I'll just have him on again. So like with that, I just basically have started this rotation of people that I've been on multiple times and keep coming on. Um, and it's not a co-host, but it kind of creates like this, just a couple of friends hanging out vibe um, that I think comes from having a co-host like someone um, like Greg Ryder. But maybe I should interview someone with Ryder sometime. Uh, that would be pretty fun. Uh, I think that is it. I think we hit all the questions. Shout out to Dangus FPV for bringing in the novels uh, and everybody else for submitting questions. Yeah, this is a lot. Uh, let's get into the winners. Without further ado, the winners are Mammoth FPV for the Emacs Intruder um, FPV RC car, followed by Thunder FPV for the first goggle switch, and Mr. Sean Kranz for the second goggle switch. Again, thank you guys so much, and make sure to stay tuned for the Airviews contest where you can win 500 bucks, and I'm going to pick the winner. Peace out.